Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right, let's talk LNG and uh, the decision by Petronas to uh, pull the plug on this massive Pacific Northwest LNG facility, a potential $36 billion investment. A lot of people wondering, uh, does this have to do, for example, with the new NDP government in B.C.? They weren't exactly fans of this project, but what about other market forces? So what's going on? Andrew Leach at the University of Alberta had a really interesting piece up over the weekend, mcleans.ca. Uh, Andrew, of course, uh, chaired the uh, Alberta Climate Leadership Panel. He's a professor of energy policy at the U of A. He joins us on the line here this afternoon. Andrew, great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Okay, well, let's start with some of the basics here, first of all. When we talk about LNG, liquefied natural gas, what are we talking about? Uh, we're basically talking about chilling natural gas down to the point where it turns to a liquid, so negative 161 degrees Celsius. And at that point, it becomes much denser and easier to transport in liquid form. So you can load it on a ship and move it to uh, markets much further away than you could serve by pipeline. But it's also quite a costly process to uh, deliver the refrigeration or liquefaction on that on the kind of scale we'd be talking about in BC. Right. And I mean, this is the same natural gas that, that we're well familiar with. This is just a different way of, of transporting. Absolutely. And, and you know, the industry is a little bit... Uh, prone to confuse you because we have lots of different products that sound similar, especially in BC. We have liquefied natural gas, which is liquefied, the same natural gas you would use in your home, but just liquefied for easier transport. But then we also talk about a lot about natural gas liquids, which are the higher value commodities that are produced along with natural gas. And it's important that people separate those two, that uh, they're not the same commodity at all. Okay, so once the natural gas is liquefied, it can get shipped, and then it needs to be basically converted back into gas. Yeah, or just allowed to regasify, essentially. And so this would be to ship this this product to places in Asia where they have these these kinds of facilities. Asia, but uh, but as well as Europe and many other places. I know the first export um, uh, cargo to the U.S. I think went to Brazil. So it's not uniquely an Asian market. It's it's really a global market, a way to supplement areas that have limited gas supplies. Now, we've been hearing about BC's LNG aspirations for some time, and obviously this Petronas project in particular, I mean, it took a long time to get official approval. Why is that? Well, I think there's a couple of things. One is that the market has changed dramatically. So it was it was only just uh, less than 10 years ago that we were still talking about and permitting natural gas import facilities on, on the West Coast. So our natural gas market has gone from one where we were expecting to be very short natural gas in North America to have to import natural gas in North America. And, you know, people who remember the, the late 2000s in Alberta when we were talking about double-digit natural gas prices, 
than the last time we'd ever see natural gas in the single digits. That market has changed a lot to now North America being one of uh, the sources of a lot of growth in natural gas production, Canada and and the U.S., U.S. much more so than Canada. And so that's really changed the market. So you had uh, people looking at big investments, but they were essentially starting from ground zero in, in Canada. This wasn't something people had been planning for decades. Uh, and then the costs of them are are really high. And so, if you want to make a deci- if you want to build an LNG facility, you have to be willing to essentially either make your own bet that there's going to be a large enough spread between our gas prices and international gas prices enough to cover the cost of the facility, or you have to get somebody to sign a contract to pay you to operate your facility, whether or not the the facilities actually in the money and trying to secure those kinds of contracts or trying to make a corporate decision to take that kind of a risk is uh, is going to take some time so that's part of it and then the other part of it is the the regulatory approvals you know certainly in the Petronas case uh, there was a lot of back and forth over first of all the foreign investment rules second of all greenhouse gas emissions and environmental uh, concerns certainly some First Nations questions on the on the BC coast so lots of different pieces for that project. When it comes to natural gas, by the way, I mean, we think of commodity prices as global, but uh, when it comes to to Asian markets versus North American markets, do we see different prices for natural gas? Can it make it more viable if prices are, are higher in Asia, for example? Absolutely. And well, the, the two are kind of linked, right? One of the reasons we think of oil as being a global commodity and having a reasonably consistent global price is for the most part, it's very cheap to transport from one region to another. And so, you know, when you think of why we sometimes see big crude differential prices in Alberta, it's because of a lack of access to transportation. In natural gas, because the transportation is so much more expensive, uh, so we're talking about, you know, 8 or $10 a gigajoule in some cases to uh, make over the life of a project to make one of these LNG projects make sense, that's significantly higher on a per unit energy basis than what it would cost to pipeline and, and tank oil across the ocean. And so these regional disparities will happen, and, and they have happened certainly in, in the early 2000s. We saw 10 to $15 differentials between Asian gas prices and uh, Alberta gas prices. Those have come down now, but we have seen some big differentials there. Okay, well, clearly the market has changed, and I mean, that's a big factor in, in the decision by Petronas, but a lot of people are pointing out, and you address it in your piece, that uh, it seems to be a different story south of the border. So what's happening in the U.S.? Yeah, the the U.S. has uh, a number of facilities under construction. Uh, Importantly, all of these facilities are repurposed import facilities. So they were built as import facilities, so that gives them the dock and the pipeline infrastructure and the storage infrastructure and everything else. And so the incremental investment to transform that to an export facility is still large, but it's nowhere near as large as starting from scratch in, in north uh, northwestern BC to build a project, an export project from, from the ground up. And none of our facilities in Canada were built or, or at this point have been talked about on the West Coast in terms of repurposing an import facility. There is one in eastern Canada that's been talked about uh, or a couple in eastern Canada have been talked about in that way. But in western Canada, it was all greenfield. The closest we had to a U.S.-style facility would be Shell's facility that was looking to repurpose a, a former methanol plant in Kitimat. Uh, but again, we don't... With key other difference 
is we don't have natural gas infrastructure in any great degree going to the West Coast. We have lots of BC gas, but it's on the other side of the mountains from the coastal export terminals. And so part and parcel of building this project, for example, was a $7 billion pipeline. And when you're talking about the U.S. export facilities, they are all in areas or in areas serviced by gas pipelines or in areas where gas pipelines were put in to serve the import facility. Okay, what about the timing of this? Because uh, just as a new government is sworn in in B.C. that that might be a little more hostile toward this kind of a project, we see the plug pulled. How much of a connection is there? Uh, You know, there's a few people in the world who would know that, and I'm certainly not one of them. you know, you'd have to to get inside the the heads of the decision makers at Petronas. I think, I think there is an aspect to from from them saying, well, this is going to be yet another set of discussions and policy changes, et cetera, that we may see. And so, rather than you know going along through that, they may decide that now is the time to to pull the plug. Now, I'd separate that from whether or not the project would have been viable under a different government. So had Christy Clark's Liberals, for example, been reelected, uh, I think you still have the adverse market conditions. Uh, the, the question might be a little bit different in their minds of, if we hang around, is there going to be enough of a tr- uh, favorable treatment put on the table that would make this, this work, leave this project on the books? Um, you know, there, there's some possibility there, but I'm, I'm certainly speculating. I don't really have a, an answer to that. Mm-hmm. In terms of environmental policy, I mean, uh, we, we see similar debates around pipelines for oil, for bitumen, uh, for example. I mean, can we balance the two? If market conditions uh, allow, I mean, is, is it possible that we can be uh, a, an LNG superpower and, and still be a leader in environmental policy? I, I guess it it really depends on on a couple of things. Number one is is what your definition of leadership is, and one of the conversations I've had for years is: Do we define leadership by what our policies are, or what the outcomes of our policies are? And if you know Canada, as, as BC had been positioned for a while to play a role in supplying natural gas to. Um, countries of the world that are short gas and currently burning coal, that can certainly have an impact. But if you're going to put that against a Canadian commitment to meet a particular level of domestic emissions over time, then um, that's a different story altogether. And so, you, you know, it becomes harder to say, well, sure, I can add, uh, you know, 10 million tons here and 10 million tons there through LNG projects and still be talking about reducing emissions nationally to a particular target level. You could meet it, but you're implicitly putting higher burdens on the rest of the sectors in your economy. What if it's not coming from Canada? I mean, others are, are filling that void, though, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a market like any other. Uh, so insofar as there aren't Canadian quantities on the ocean, there's going to be a slightly higher price than there would otherwise be, and that might bring some other quantities on. It might, uh, you know, there's going to be a balance between that supply and demand. You know, typical economist, I'm drawing a graph with my arms <laughs> yeah. right now. Um, but uh, the the question of would everything be equal if there were Canada or were no Canada, I think people tend to argue that from whatever point is convenient for them and for their their arguments, either to say, well, now you're going to leave people energy poor, you're going to leave people in a high emissions world, you're going to create market for somebody else, etc. And, you know, some combination of all of those is, is going to be the case.
All right. Well, some great insight, Andrew. We'll leave it there. People can uh, find your piece. Uh, it's up at mcleans.ca. Really appreciate making some time for us here today. Thanks so much. All right. There you go. That's Andrew Leach, professor of energy policy, University of Alberta, 403-9. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.